two things before diving into this episode. First, this is the first podcast I've recorded over Zoom. I really wanted to talk to Jonathan, so since he's overseas, this is how we got it done. I'm going to look for other ways to record podcasts online in the future. Uh, The audio quality is not the best, but this conversation was fantastic, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Speaking of enjoying it, if you enjoy Chats Under the Sun, I would really appreciate it if you would give a review on iTunes or Spotify. It takes a half second to hit those stars. And if you would, I would really, really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I think it was the theologians who first started the idea. Later, the philosophers took it over. And now some of the scientists are doing the same. What you are comes out in what you do. You see the point? Out of ourselves and into Christ, we must go. This is Chats Under the Sun with Jacob Volk. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's consider this thing starting recording, and we can start there, man. So, Jonathan, super stoked yeah. that I'm chatting with you. I'm really, I'm really excited about this. And I, a while ago, had chatted with, ooh, and I shouldn't say their names because we were keeping that um, anonymous. It was David and June. I chatted with them, and uh, David and June, David and June, and we talked a lot about the work that they've done, and a lot of that intersected yeah. with you guys. And so we were talking mm-hmm. about SWAT and. Tell me, tell me a bit about yourself first, if, if you don't mind. And, then, and how did you get involved in anti-human trafficking work and SWAT? Just dive into the story. Yeah. So, um, like I said, my name is Jonathan Espy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we started, I started SWAT back in 2011. Um, it wasn't even, didn't know, didn't know what it was back then. Uh, we just had, had come to Thailand as a assistant pastor of a church and began um, teaching self-defense the outreach of the church. And um, through that, we got connected to uh, organization, a uh, rescue organization called Destiny Rescue and uh, began to train their rescuers in self-defense to keep them safe when they go in and do um, um, some raids and some hairy situations they've gotten into. So we began to train uh, them and uh, their rescue agents. And so um, then after doing that for uh, for them for about eight months, almost a year, another organization, we got in contact with them uh, called Zoe International, began to train their um, their investigators and their agents and stuff. And um, that thought that was it. I was like, okay, well, you know, we did our two years in, in Thailand and we, we got to, you know, uh, train these guys. It was really cool, really fun. Loved it. Um, loved what they were doing. Um, and I thought that'd be the end of it. And God just wouldn't let us go from it. He just, we, mm-hmm. we actually moved back to the States, uh, to Virginia uh, to finish up um, my uh, degree. And um and yeah, man, God just wouldn't let our heart go from it. Like it was, we were every three to six months, we were back over here, uh, either here in India um, and doing training uh, for rescue organizations. And it just blew up from there, man. And so 2013, we ended up um, starting the actual uh, SWAT as a actual organization, actual ministry. So uh, that was 2013. And then two, by 2015, we had moved uh, back out here uh, for good. And so now this is our permanent home. Thailand is home. We have, um, seven kids, um, uh, that, uh, one of them's biological and the rest of them are little, little, uh, little Asian kids. Uh, and so, uh, they're just running around here. Um, and then, so we're actually in the, in the process of starting, <coughs> excuse me, 
um, starting a uh, we'll call it a rescue village or a safe village uh, where we're, we're going to bring in or we're going to we're buying land and we're going to build uh, safe homes uh, for uh, f- basically forever families for these uh, for kids that have been uh, rescued out of trafficking and or uh, from really hard and dangerous situations. And so that's kind of us in a nutshell so far. Love it. What brought you like what took you from. I don't know, wherever you were high school growing up to wanting to go overseas. Like what was that, what was that transition for you to, to feeling called into ministry? Oh, um, being called in the ministry. That was, that was a, a long, <laughs> a long, uh, hmm. uh, process. Um, yeah. Cause I, I graduated high school and oh, I was about to graduate high school and actually my youth pastor, uh, was moving, was planning on moving to Fiji, uh, to do mission work. And he just approached me one day and said, Hey, you know, you want to go to Fiji with me and my wife and, and help us do mission work. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so, uh, who's the one going to Fiji? And, um, and so I was like, that was a, you know, a plan. That was my, my kind of focus for a few months. And then mm-hmm. that didn't, they didn't, they didn't follow through with that. It didn't happen. And I was like, man, what am I going to do now? I'm about to graduate in a few months. And so I was like, oh, maybe I go to college or something like that. And then, um, got involved uh, with uh, a buddy of mine was, was going to join the Marine Corps. He's like, hey, come join the Marine Corps with me. I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> He's like, all right, so if you don't want to join it with me, then at least go get the paperwork because my mom won't let me go get to the, get the paperwork uh, to, about joining. Go get it for me. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I went to the recruiter's office. And uh, by the time I left there, I'd signed up. <laughs> so uh joined the Marine Corps. And uh, that was, you know, uh, that was my first um kind of, uh, introduction to, to international travel was, um, you know, as I was in Japan for a while and all over the United States and stuff. And so, um, God like began through that to put a, a desire and mine and my wife's heart, cause she was Navy, um, to really, uh, we really loved being in different cultures and different, different places. Mm-hmm. And, um, when we got, uh, involved in our local church there and at Mount Zion Baptist church in uh, Florence, Mississippi, um, you know, we would go to Mexico every year. Uh, we would drive down there and we would do like a, a week and a half of um, mission work down there and um, and just loved it, you know, loved doing mission work. And then um, we ended up getting uh, basically asked to come to Thailand um, and do a short-term mission trip here. And during that time, we were just praying. I was like, God, you know, what do you want me to do? Uh, I felt like I had, by this time, I had um, felt like calling to ministry, but I didn't know exactly what. I thought I was at youth ministry. And so I was like, oh, I'll be a youth pastor. But then I was like, ah, time to get to seminary and all that stuff. I'll be 40 years old. Nobody wants a 40 year old pastor. <laughs> I was like, you know, oh, what do you want me to do, God? And so, um, so I just, you know, prayed and, and fasted and he would never answer me. <laughs> he just kind of was like, he's like, just, just chill out. I'll, I'll answer you when I want to answer you. And so um, we were flying into Tokyo uh, to come to Thailand. And I was looking out over Tokyo as we're coming in and I had that still small voice moment. It's like, God's like, I want you here. And I took it as we're going to Japan. I'm like, yes, sir. I already live in Japan. I already spoke Japanese. I was like, we're going to Japan. Yeah. And, um, and God's like, you know, through a series of events, he's like, no, I want you in Thailand. And so it's like, dang it, I'm fat and it's hot in Thailand. And I was like, oh, it's not meant for fat people. And, um, and so, uh, we ended up, um, 
moving to Thailand. So, so it was a, it was a, it was a lot of things, uh, other things that are in there, but that's kind of the gist of how we got called. It was just like God using that, those small uh, moments in our life to kind of really get our heart for all the cultures and then pull us in full-time ministry. Awesome, man. Yeah. I love, I love hearing these kind of stories because you know, when you, when you just hear the bones of like what SWAT is doing, it's like, man, what, what brought you from North America into that context? And so I, I love hearing the the steps that people take to get to, to doing pretty crazy stuff. So it's, it, yeah, it's, it's usually by accident. It's usually <laughs> you got to fall into it. Well, not, not accident. It's usually, it's definitely Providence. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it looks like accidents a lot. Yeah. God is good. Cool. Um, and then, so, so you guys started with the self-defense stuff and was that, did, did the church that you guys, um, or that we were a part of, did they already have sort of um, a heart for, for sex trafficking? Was that a big part of what they did or did that no. come in later? Uh, no, actually the church uh, was not involved in as in, uh, at all, really. Um, the church was, they were, we, you know, the, it was just uh, a local church here in Thailand. And um, the, we had a lot of children's homes that were, that mm. were connected with the church in here. And so, um, you know, there were some kids that were at risk and those kind of things were in those homes. And so that's how it was kind of connected a little bit. And then um, uh, actually a um, police officer from, from New Zealand. Uh, hey, came. I'm from New Zealand. And you're from New Zealand? Oh, really? Yeah, man. Yeah, I was born there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's Rock awesome, on. man. Re- represent. Yeah. yeah, some chips. Some chips, <laughs> man. Some chips. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. Hi, bro. Um, anyway. Um, Go on. The uh, Yeah, my brain, my brain got all, you know, jacked up now. Um, <laughs> so he came from New Zealand, and um, he was uh, um, looking at, he was a partner with our church, uh, and then also partner with Destiny Rescue. Mm. And so has, that's how we kind of got in. I got involved because I was friends with him and he saw what I was teaching. He's like, man, this is good stuff. We ever thought about teaching uh, rescuers. And I'm like, no, but if they want to, I'll teach them. And so he set the meeting up with Destiny Rescue and and the rest is kind of history. So, uh, Gotcha. Yeah. So it, it was like the skills that you picked up, military and, and other martial arts that kind of, that was the first step. And then like the application of that came a bit later. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, like, yeah. I was doing martial arts uh, back in America, and you know, ever since I was a kid, I started doing you know karate, and I was ten, and my dad boxed, and so I was learning to box with him mm-hmm. and stuff, and and then um, and this kind of got to just use that. My, that's the only thing that's been constant, like for us, like sports or any kind of physical activity is martial arts. It's the only thing that's been constant in my life, um, and so. Um, I was doing martial arts uh, in the Marine Corps, and then when I got out. I was I was uh, got involved in martial arts and back. And the guy that was one of my my main instructors, he was the the head defensive tactics instructor for Mississippi Law Enforcement Academy. And so um, I got I got kind of grandfathered or kind of backdoored in uh, with him. And I was teaching law enforcement, helping him teach law enforcement. Hmm. Became an instructor under under him, and so that's kind of how I got. Um, uh, some of the, the, end of the, the law enforcement world of, of defensive tactics, uh, was through him and stuff. And so uh, that's how God used that. And then translated that over to, um, uh, to teaching rescuers and stuff. And so, and he's actually the, the big man that, that's my instructor that I became an instructor under, uh, is on our board of directors now. He's actually, uh, uh, been with us since we began things. So they're on crew. And so. Awesome. Man. So sketch me, um, Actually, even even more than that, talk talk to me about the differences between like culturally between Thailand and the states. 
Oh, <laughs> how much time we got? Oh, yeah, man. I bet there's lots. <laughs> um, it's, um, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the biggest the differences, like, you know, because Thailand is the most thoroughly Buddhist country in the world. Like, All right. it's like 90, 95% uh, Buddhist, 4% Muslim, and 1% everything else. And so, like, Christian Christianity is like less than 1% mm. um, of the whole culture. And so, to, the idea here is to be Thai is to be Buddhist. And so um, the the idea here is is that if you're if you're here if you're Thai then you're culturally and a and a and identity is wrapped up in Buddhism. Um, so it's very difficult um, for um, uh, evangelism to happen um, on a short term scale. That makes sense. Right. So it has to be. Yeah. A, I mean, it's all the Holy Spirit, but it definitely takes a longer time for. Uh, that to happen because you're having to break so many boundaries and so many sure, yeah. you know, strongholds that are there. Uh, and so, um, like I said, it, how it looks practically is it's not nearly a nation of laws uh, because it's Buddhist is whoever has the power. Mm-hmm. And so because you, because of that reincarnation cycle is like, if you're, if you have power and money now, then you must have did something really good in your past life. So we're going to listen to you in those. Kind okay. Of and so it's um, <clears throat> it's not really a nation of 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 laws in a sense where everybody is you know is nobody's above the law and things like nah nobody's above who has the power, and so um and so that's kind of a little, little bit different of cultural um thinking and mindset um in Thailand. So um with that um because of the 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 Buddhist influence and also because Buddhism comes out of Hinduism that. Um, it also turns a lot, turns a lot of blind eyes to things uh, because it's like, well, if you're in that position, then you're, you're, you must've done something in your past life to deserve this. So I'm not going to mess with you because I don't want to screw up your, your fill, uh, fulfilling your, uh, what Hindus would call like your didum, your, um, your purpose in life. And so um, a lot of times that's why that hear no evil, sin no evil, speak no evil kind of things. Like, I don't want to be I'm not going to mess with you because then your karma is going to mess. You're going to come back on me and all. So it's a, it's a, it's a like trying to get it all kind of in a in a in a frame. It's what I've heard it called like trying to nail gel to the wall. As mm. soon as you get it kind of you know figured out, it starts moving. And so uh, it's kind of their this their mindset is a lot different than a than a Western yeah uh, wow. mindset because because of Buddhism. That's that's incredible because like for you know North America you know, there's a lot of suspicion tied with power, mm. right? Mm. And that's fascinating that they would have a, you know, a moral superiority tied to power, mm. yeah. which I, you know, he, around here, we're so cynical of anyone who's <laughs> got any government authority or, and yeah. or rich, right? And so you don't, you yeah. don't trust them. Yeah, And yeah, I can see, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine how that plays out in, in so many areas, especially with yeah. the kind of work that you guys are doing. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, it, it can it can lead to a lot of weird situations, and so um, and and another another thing too is like even the poor, um, it's a little different. Like in in America, a lot of your poor is like I'm gonna pull myself up on my bootstraps. Like even if you're even if you're poor, you're proud. Like most Southern mm-hmm. poor people, you know, you're gonna be like, no, I'm, I may be poor, but I'm gonna I'm you know I'm gonna. T- take care of what I got. I don't know. Nobody, else. I don't know, but I don't want anybody owing me anything. Those kind of things. Yeah. That's at least, at least when I was growing up, that's kind of the idea of it. Um, here, it's not so much that it's like, 
well, I'm poor. You have stuff. Well, you owe me something. And so like, uh, and so if I have to steal it, I steal it or whatever it is. It's like, it's, it's because, um, you've, you have this power and I've, you know, I don't, then, then you owe me kind of thing. It's that it's a mindset that's kind of there. Um, that is a little bit different than some of the poor, you know, farmer and farming kind of working class, um, uh, mindset sometimes. And so it's, yeah, it, it's, it's odd. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot different yeah. mindset. So, um, and how that plays out in, and like, even in, in trafficking, like most of the girls that, like that are, that are in boys that are, that are brought into trafficking are from poor, uh, hill tribe families. And so, um, they get either tricked into it or the parents are like, Hey, look, you need to, you need to go get, make money for the family. I don't care how you do it, go. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's, you know, you see that a lot. And and so because they're, they're poor, because they're hill tribe, because they mostly don't have an education at all, or, uh, they don't have a uh, ID. So they're stateless. They can't get a decent job. And so the only place that will hire them is, are the bars. And so, and then that's when they get pulled into trafficking, uh, through the bar situation. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of it, it's a big dynamic that's kind of plays into there. To, you know, it's that power struggle kind of thing that kind of mm. uh, that kind of uh, plays out. And if you have power, you're gonna you're gonna um, utilize it. And you're above the law a lot of times, and and uh, sometimes um, a lot. Some of the people that that um, are running the bar are people who have, who have the power. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, who who are in who are in certain situations or in certain um, hierarchies that, uh, that allow them to keep doing this, uh, kind of thing. So not gotcha. that sense or not. No, no, totally. Totally. I mean, I've got, I've got a bunch of questions about like the yeah. specific work you do, but I'm, I'm interested though. What, what are some of the things you really love about Thailand that, uh, love about, Oh man. And uh, I love the people, even mm-hmm. though that sounds weird, like, cause that structure stuff. But when, when you're, here, man, the people are so sweet. They're so amazing. The vast majority of them. Um, uh, there's some, you have to get used to those, those cultural differences, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. uh, but they are super sweet. Um, um, Thailand is the land of smiles and, and it's, it's like, everybody's always has, you know, I've been to countries and you, you nod and smile at people and they just kind of mean mug you here. You can be in the middle of nowhere and you smile at not somebody and they just get this big grin on their face and they smile and wave. And, and so it's really sweet. Um, really sweet people in that sense. Uh, the land is beautiful. Like we live in Northern Thailand. We're in the mountains and it's just green and lush and gorgeous. Um, it's not ever cold. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's a beautiful place, but I love it. It's, it's home now, man. Like it took me when I first moved here, I hated it. I was like, mm, this place is not for me. Um, but I mean, God, this really changed my heart. And I would literally have to, I would go driving. um, I would get out on my motorcycle and just go. And cause I was so tired of being in the office of the church. Like I gotta get out of the office. And so I would go ride and I would just pray like, God, give me a heart for the land. Give me a heart for the people. And it took about two years and a year and a half. And God really did. He changed my heart. Now this, I love this place. I love the people. I love the land. I love, I just love Thailand, man. It's just, it's just home. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. Is it, yeah. um, is it a slower pace of life there than America? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I would it's, imagine it's, it's, that's one of the frustrating things that you have to come in. One of the cultural differences too, that kind of ties back into that. Um, 
you in America, we like if something needs to be done, we expect it to be done. And, you know, right now, or this point, I need this copy and this fax and this email right now. Thailand is like eh, something that should take you 15 minutes might take you three hours. <laughs> you yeah. got to you yeah. be okay with it. And you go, eh, it's going to get done when it gets done. And it kind of just teaches you to be patient. Um, sometimes it's frustrating, but yeah, it, it makes you to be that way. So, gotcha. Yeah, I um, there's a book that I've read. I talked about it in the last podcast too. Um, misreading scripture with Western eyes. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that book. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, I, and one of the examples they use, I think, was from from Thailand that mm. talking about the different understandings of of time and urgency and, mm. and work yeah. ethic and 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 their main point was like, eh, most of y'all are Western. Don't assume that the way you structure time yeah. and effort and stuff is the same as the rest of the world. Cause it's just yeah. not, it's not. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a, that was a, um, um, analogy that my pastor, when I first moved here, he gave me and it, and it really has held true. And, and it's really, uh, it's, it's, it seems to be, uh, correct. <clears throat> is that, uh, Thailand is very relationship focused. So like, so let's say we're going to go build a church, right? So that's our mm. Western missionary mindset. We're going to go build a church how we would, if we're going to do that in America, um, how we would, um, gauge success is okay. We started on time. All the supplies were there. We finished, we got to this point, we finished this point. Um, and then we got, we, we got this thing accomplished. We got, uh, you know, 75% of the church built today or whatever it is. Yeah. And 10% uh, on your budget. So, exactly. 10% of our great. budget, our grudge costs, we're good. Thailand, if we're going to build that same church, like you're going to get there and people are going to talk and people like, so we're going to start it at nine o'clock in the morning. Let's say we're going to start at nine. Well, people probably show up about 10. <laughs> people start trickling in about nine 30. Everybody's there about 10. Um, and then everybody starts talking and hanging out looking at the project. And then you start working a little bit and then you realize all the materials aren't there yet. So because they're waiting for the materials to come in from another place. And so you got to wait another hour or so and everybody's talking and hanging out and, and, and looking at projects and talking about what's going to happen and, and meeting together. And then by the time you get all that done and some, and some um, materials get there, it's lunchtime. So we have to break for lunch. So we go eat lunch together and we, that takes an hour or so. So we, we're talking and hanging out there and, and then, then we may not get, yeah, we may not do anything else that day <laughs> and, or, or, you know, it's, it's people start trickling out at, at two o'clock and we're supposed to go to six o'clock kind of thing or whatever. Um, they would, the, 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 the time mentality would be that uh, success is measured by, Oh, we met together. We got something done a little bit got done, but the biggest point was that we all met together. We all talked together. We all hung out. We all ate. And whether the project got finished or not is is pretty much inconsequential. It's it's were, were people's hearts um, full of joy and happiness, and it was it fun. It's kind of the mentality. It's all relationship um, based usually. Yeah. Wow. I I can just I worked in carpentry for a while, and I can just imagine telling the guys. So we ha- our our hearts were full of happiness today. It wasn't a success, and the amount of backhanding <laughs> I would get for that statement, you know, it'd be like we don't yeah, definitely we don't particularly care how your heart feels. Get to work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so that's a little big difference. And that, so it takes things a lot longer, but it seems to be a, a, um, a more relaxed way of, of dealing mm-hmm. with things and looking at things. You know, get been out of shape as much uh, if something something doesn't get done on time. 
So, so cool. Yeah. Awesome. So can you uh, walk me through like the structure of SWAT as a company or company organization? What do you, what do you guys do? Like, what, what do you guys do? What's the different wings, arms? Yeah. What are your operations like? Yeah. So we have three basic, um, our, our outreach arm, right? So we have hmm. our, we have three basic um, tiers or what is it? Can, I, can I pause you? Yeah, I should, I should have done this. What's the SWAT stand for? Spiritual Warriors Against Trafficking. Beautiful. Yeah, I probably should have said that a little bit earlier in the conversation. Oh, it's all right. No worries, man. No worries. I, I should have alliterated that. Um, and no, so spiritual wars against trafficking is what SWAT stands for. Awesome. And we have three uh, arms that we kind of um, circulate in. One is our uh, training and uh, intervention. So we train rescuers. We train um, um, aftercare workers, people that deal with kids after they're, they're brought out, mm-hmm. we train them in self-defense, how to protect themselves, how to protect the children, those kind of things. And, um, and we train the rescue teams. We train the, even the kids themselves once as part of their rehabilitation, uh, we train the, the, the kids that they're rescued out. Uh, so that's our, our, our training side. And in that we have our intervention side. So a lot of times our teams that, that are on the field here, uh, with us that do training will also augment rescue teams sometimes when they need it. So like um, if we're in the Philippines and we're doing training and they need a, a, a different face to go in, then one of our team mates would go in and do, um, do help do investigation and rescue there. So that's our rescue and our, our training branch that kind of fits into to the rescue side. Then we have our uh, outreach evangelism outreach. And so, cause we, you know, a lot of, like I said before, a lot of these kids come out of, of really poor village situations. And so we, we, we try to focus on, um, different villages and different areas in, uh, in the, in the mountains, uh, where poverty is, is huge and where the kids come from. And we try to go in and do evangelism and, and, um, and prevention there. So we're like, Hey, you know, for the girls, uh, we're teaching, we teach self-defense to the kids as well there. And we teach the girls, Hey, you, you have value in Christ. God made you to be protected. God made you to, 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 to have, um, to not be harmed. Right. And so you have value in Christ. And so, um, that's one of the things we teach the girls there. And then the boys are teach like God has made you to be protectors, to be warriors, to, to stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves, to protect those that can't protect themselves. And, mm. and we try, you talk to them about, Hey, these girls over here, they are, they have value and they're worth protecting your, you know, those kind of things. So that's kind of our, our, our part of our outreach uh, arm there uh, as well as the gospel being, being, being spoken, those kind of things. Um, so that's our outreach in uh, evangelism. And then you have our aftercare um, and, and foster family um, environment. And so um, we bring in kids who are either a from really bad situations where it's dangerous for them to be um, in their, in their home or in their village, um, or they've been brought out of trafficking um, and they need a place to, to live and be with a family forever. Hmm. Um, and, or um, uh, they are from another home and they need to be at a place to come. So, um, so we do, uh, that as well. So we do our, our rehabilitation, our, our recovery, our restoration, our evangelism and outreach, and then our, our intervention and rescue kind of part of it. So that's kind of how we, uh, the three tiers. Then we have our American branch that does, uh, awareness and prevention and those kind of things. So. Gotcha. 
Where is the American branch based out of? Just curious. Uh, out of Mississippi. We have uh, Mississippi. Mississippi is our main branch. Yeah, Mississippi uh, is our main branch. That's where our, our American directors are. And uh, then we have a, a arm, uh, our, a um, representative in Houston, Texas. And then we have a few that are uh, loosely affiliated um, throughout Virginia and North Carolina and stuff. So, Gotcha. Man, I love Texas. Need to go back there soon. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've driven through Texas too many times. I don't, I'm like, I don't know if I like it. I, I want to say I like it because it's huge and people will, you know, hunt me down if I say I don't like it. But I, like, I don't know. I have to go and see like other parts of Texas. I've only seen the, the like southeast side of Texas and I was not impressed. Gotcha. Gotcha. I spent, um, <laughs> I spent a bit of time in, in, well, in San Antonio and then uh, just back, backwoods, Texas, like really? just in the middle of nowhere, really friendly people, man. Some yeah. of the nicest people I've ever met just in like towns of a few hundred people just in the middle yeah, of nowhere. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what like the people are great. This is the, mm. this is the town. And I've never about the, to the West side. Like I've heard San Antonio is gorgeous. I heard it's yeah. beautiful, but I've never, never been out that way. So never been yeah. that way. It's a, it's a very pretty town. Lots of, lots of cool architecture too. But anyways, so, um, (laughs) can you, can you walk me through sort of the process of like locating, um, people involved in sex trafficking, Renaissance information, like kind of what's the timeline of someone who's really trapped in this to kind of getting to a safe place with you guys and who's involved, what's all involved there? Um, yeah. So like, and so what happens is we, we don't do the rescues ourselves. We partner okay. with organizations who do. And so like destiny rescue, Zoe international compass 31, um, um, Exodus road, uh, those guys, um, the shield for the children, these organizations that are, that are doing direct rescues, we partner with them and do the security training for them. Okay. Um, so the, so the rescue teams is who we partner with. And so we, we provide security. we, provide them with the security training they need to go and do this. So like, so one of those organizations are going in to um, do an operation. So they're going in and they're doing an investigation. So they're going in as buyers um, in different bars and brothels throughout whatever country they're in. And they're, they're basically looking for targets. So they're looking for girls and boys who are underage, uh, who are uh, obviously underage and those kind of things. And they have ways of finding that out. They have their, their trade, craft that they that they've developed to know okay this kid this is a kid this is not a older older girl uh and so um once they've identified a target they start building cases they all have you know hidden cameras they all have hidden audio those kind of things so they're getting that evidence built in in basically building a case and then there's two two ways that could go um once they have the evidence that that this is a kid and uh they they so one way is they do a soft rescue, which is they they pretty much build trust over time, and they say okay, um, once um, they build that trust, they say this is who we are. If you want out, this is a way out. We're gonna we have a way for you to come out. Uh, mm-hmm. If they they can either choose to take that or not choose to take that. If they don't choose to take that, then it becomes a hard rescue. They all that all that information they've built in that case they've built. They take it to the human. Tra- trafficking police, uh, whoever is whatever uh, country they're in. And this is not your local police. This is the highest level, like FBI, you know, the highest level you can possibly get in whatever country they're in. Um, and um, take, take the information to them and say, okay, this girl is, is there. We need to go do a raid. So they will partner with the, a very small select 
group of people from that, from the, the, the high level uh, law enforcement in whatever country, and they'll go in and do a raid. And so they, um, and bring the kid out, bring the kids out. So like in the Philippines, uh, a couple of years back, they did the biggest raid, um, that they were, had ever done. And they brought all like 87 kids out of one, one location. Uh, and we were, uh, connected with that. Uh, one of our, one of our, my former, um, em, uh, employees was part of that, uh, operation. So it was crazy, man. So anyway, so yeah, so how that works out, um, yeah. that's, that's the two avenues is, is either a soft rescue or hard rescue. And then once they're rescued out, then they get placed, they go through a, uh, an initial, um, basic debriefing time, like a de decompression and like going, walking through like the trauma and initial trauma through that and, and, and um, being evaluated and all those things and, and having their medical needs taken care of all the short-term stuff mm. uh, for about anywhere between six months to a year could be the process depends on uh, where that happens. And then, and then they're either uh, placed at, if they're old enough and can be back on their own, they're placed into a safe environment where they're on their own and they have a job and they do those kind of things and they have a caseworker that checks on them. Um, or if they're too young, they can't go back on their own. Then they're placed into a, uh, either a, um, aftercare facility or a forever home kind of like, uh, we're trying to provide. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, David, David was, is that he's the guy you're referencing, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he told that, that whole story. Um, yes. Nuts, isn't it? good grief. What, <laughs> like it's incredible absolutely incredible just it's yeah yeah that was a that was a very uh interesting interesting time on that one that was interesting yeah, yeah. How, were you involved in that in any capacity or yeah, I mean yeah i was we were i mean i was there i mean oh, we were you, there training okay i didn't i didn't i didn't go with him on the on the uh raid or on yep. the, the investigation part of it um, cause I just, I, I have, I know my weaknesses. I know where I, I am useful at and where I'm not useful at and where yeah. God is, uh, is, is put me at. And that was not where I needed to be at. And so, uh, so he did that. David went and did that one. So, yeah. um, yeah. So there's certain situations I might would go in and do stuff, but that was not one of them. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how effective, Cause like, you, you know, a lot of this seems like it's kind of targeting, like trying to help one individual. Yeah. Um, but often like what, what's, are there like, re, like helpful repercussions about taking one, like helping one girl? Like it, does it shake up the whole structure? Like, I guess, you know, um, yeah, like there's, I mean, cause we get this thing is massive. I mean, right. sex trafficking is the most, one of the biggest criminal enterprises in the world. Right. And so, um, it's a massive problem. And so a lot of people will, will ask that, like, you know, what is, what is one kid going to do? Like, what is one, hmm. what's it really matter that one? And there's like this old analogy and uh, I kind of, it's kind of trite, but I hate using it, but it's a very, to the point of what we're trying to say is there's an old man is on the beach and there's like these millions of starfish that have washed up on the beach. And there's this, it's just, they're sitting there in the sun, the sun's baking them and they're about to all just die. And so this old man, he's just walking out on the beach and picks up a starfish and throws it back in the ocean. And he's just walking down it. And there's just millions. And there's this young guy sitting there and he's watching this old guy. And, and he's just, you know, sees him just, there's just some, uh, you know, over overwhelming amount of starfish on the beach. And he runs up to the old guy. He's like, man, what are you doing? This is, he's like, 
you're never going to get all these 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 starfish back in the water. It's not doesn't whatever you're doing doesn't matter. And why are you doing yeah, this? And yeah. the old man just reaches down and picks up one starfish and throws it back in the water and says, "Well, it mattered for that one." And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the idea. Is it's overwhelming, and um, and are we ever going to end it? I don't think so because of how human depravity and sin works. I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where it's completely eradicated. Uh, but for the ones that God puts in front of us, it does matter. It does change. Mm-hmm. It does change mm-hmm. families. It changes hearts. It changes. I mean, um, you can actually, we have a documentary that just got uh, released out about my oldest daughter uh, and her story. Um, it's on actually Redeem TV. Um, mm-hmm. There's an app. Um, uh, Redeem TV. Uh, it's and it's called You Are Beautiful, and so you can uh, watch that, stream that for free. Uh, but it's the it's the story of my oldest daughter who come out of that situation, and to see the change that God did through through her entire family. You know, not just you know, it wasn't just her; it was her entire family that that God has reached uh, now because of of one person throwing that starfish back in the water, kind of thing. So awesome. Um, how did that documentary come about? If you don't mind me asking, I'm asking because I, that's, that's what I do. I make, I make documentaries. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, well, a friend of mine is he used to work, he works for destiny rescue, but he was a documentary maker, um, like for BBC and for national geographic and stuff. Um, he made, there was, a um, a, a film, a documentary, uh, made, made back. I can't remember how many years ago, but it's called, I think it's Mugabe and the white African, the last white African or something like that. Uh, he was the editor and director in, of that um, All right. uh, film. And it won a bunch of awards and stuff. Um, and so he's a friend of mine. And um, he was he was basically doing film work for Destiny Rescue. And uh, he knew my oldest daughter's story. And he says, hey, can, hey, can I tell the story? Sure. Her story's amazing. Can I tell it? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. You need to ask her. And so he goes and ask her and, and she goes, uh, yeah, it's fine. And so how old is she at, at this point? Uh, she's 25 now. So when they made the documentary, she was about two years ago. So she was 22, 23. All right. Uh, and she'd been with us since she was 17. And so, um, and she was with another organization, um, when she was 16. So, uh, that's how he knew her and kind of thing. So anyway, um, but yeah, so that's how he ended up making the documentary uh, about her, and uh, it's won a bunch of awards. Um, it's it's like there's it's up for two awards now. I think at the the Branson um, Film Festival, and then there's one in Canada. It's just got another nomination, but it won the Great Lakes uh, Film Festival Award, and uh, it was nominated at the International Christian Film Festival down in Orlando. It was nominated bro, for bro a, a nomination a nomination at the ICFF is not a small thing like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I i know all these award shows are pretty well That's all and, cool, well, cool yeah. yeah and uh no the international christian film festival is huge like that is yeah. that is the place to to go it was crazy like christian my wife she had to go to she was back in the states helping her mom do some stuff and um she got to go to the award oh, ceremony fantastic. and everything and so so it was cool it was neat to go see that and that was, i guess they got to screen it and everything oh so that's the cool. what what year was this was this just before this COVID? Yeah. This year, this okay, was, yeah, 2021. Oh, cool. So, this is just after all the COVID craziness, yeah, 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 yeah. just after all that. Shit. And then, so you know, Orlando popped up and they're like, Yeah, yeah we're going, yeah. Going. so hey, so that's fun, yeah, man. That was and the crazy thing is, there's another, um, it, it's it's amazing to see because there's, there's you know, our documentary just got put out, my, my, my daughters did, um, 
my friend, uh, a director named a uh, filmmaker named George Johnson, uh, just made a movie called Pull from Darkness. It's, it just got uh, released. I think they hadn't even released it yet. They just did the the initial premiere, uh, I think this weekend. But anyway, and then there's another one, uh, a Christian one um, that came out called uh, Can You See Me or something like that. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of it. It was a Christian all about trafficking. And so they were, they were all three uh, being uh, shown at the film festival, uh, you know, uh, at the international film festival. So it was really neat to, to see then that this got put a spotlight, even through the film industry, uh, on this thing. So awesome. Good. Yeah. So yeah. what, um, what if, what do people do here? Like, you know, people who are going to listen to this and conversations that, that are, that are happening here, you know, stateside North America, mm-hmm what what do you where do you begin to wrap your head around how people here can have an impact on this be christians yeah i don't i don't mean i don't mean that in a trite way i don't mean that like in, in a in a sarcastic way i mean literally just if the church does what the church is called to do which is uh what jesus tells us you know, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I mean, the vast majority of these kids that are being trafficked and girls and men that are being, women and uh, boys that are being trafficked are coming from um, poor situations, uh, poor families. They're coming from um, mm-hmm. juvenile detention centers. They're coming from prisons. They're coming, they're, like, it's, that's the, it's the edges of society where, where uh, a lot of these kids are being pulled from. So if the church is just being active and loving the least of these, they're going to, they're going to fight traffic automatically because they're going to be involved in people's lives. Um, where the disconnect happens is people start getting involved in it and they realize this is messy. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you can't get involved in this and not get your hands dirty. You're going, you're, you're, it's, it's, but, but ministry is supposed to be messy ministry is messy if you're dealing with a, with a lot of of you have to deal with a lot of 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 sin a lot of demonic influence a lot of stuff and it's it's hard and so a lot of people don't want to do that because it is hard um but if you want to get involved in anti-trafficking stuff just be the church man just, just do what the church what what the mandate already is um with, with Christ saying that, and Isaiah saying, you know, um, um, to defend the fatherless, stand up for the oppressed, you know, take up yeah. the cause of, the, of, of that. You know, that's the, that's what the church is called to do. And so if the church just does what it's supposed to do. You're going to fight trafficking. Automatically. Amen. Yeah. I just read, uh, I just read James today. Uh, James 1, mm-hmm. 27, pure undefiled yeah. religion for God is this, care for the orphans and the widows. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Those that can't care for themselves, those that can't pay you back, those that can't, they have nothing to give you take care of those. And, and, and that is what God has is intended as your is intended for you to do. That's like one of the kids we brought two kids in. I don't know what, three years ago now. Um, and, um, we were, we're kind of praying through this. We're going, God, do, should we bring these two kids in? Um, so they're from there. It's a really bad situation, but you know, you, what you bring, you bring it into, into your family or into the organization. That's the same thing. They're okay. they're intertwined. They're, right. <laughs> now they're the family is the organization. So um and so we're like, oh, what do you want us to do, God? Um, and never got like this 
you know, bright light in the sky moment, never got this, you know, you know, handles hallelujah thing there, you know, it was never that it was just like this. And it wasn't even like this, um, feeling it was God just spoke to feel like God said, um, I've already told you what I want you to do. My, my heart is for the fatherless. My heart is for these kids. So like, even if you don't have a warm and fuzzy liver quiver kind of thing, like, you know, God's heart is for these children. Mm. You And so just do what God's already told you to do. And so you don't have to have a sign from heaven, you know, kind of thing. So that was kind of for us was a turning point going, okay, we don't have to, you know, even though we, we're never going to shut our doors uh, for somebody that needs it, that needs a place. And so um, anyway, so that was kind of a, a, a turning point in our heart and our life where we had to go, uh, God, what do you want from us? And God has made it real clear that I've already told you what I wanted and it's to take care of these kids, it's take care of the kids that don't have a family to take care of them. I don't have uh, and their, or their family is incapable of taking care of them. So. I love it. If you have any, I don't know. No, no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's good. It's interesting to me that, um, you know, what you're saying about being the local church is more or less the same answer that, um, you know, missionaries give at least, they, at least a big thrust of, you know, there's, there's this conference called cross conference here in the States. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a youth conference about missions, you know, Piper speaks at it. It's, it's lovely. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. And one of the huge emphasis is, is like, if you, you know, this whole, this whole conversation about missions has to start with you being faithful in your local church context, because that's the Mm. only reasonable springboard to dealing with all these big issues. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, people can't see you're just nodding your head like on that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's so true. Like if you're not willing to do something across the street, you're not going to do something across the world kind of thing. So like, you know, it, it, it definitely, and there was a big push there for the past. Uh, I've been on the mission fields for 11 years now. And so there, a few years back, there was this big push about, you know, Oh, stop doing short-term mission trips, shop, stop doing this, you know, don't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're just, you know, this vacation missionary, whatever they want to call it. They were bad, basically bashing short-term mission trips. And I was like, no, man, I was like, look, as a missionary on the field, we love, freaking short-term missionaries or short-term mission trips. Um, a, it revitalizes us. And two, it, it helps um, do the work. But three, then the main point of it is probably 99.9% of every long-term missionary on the field right now started out going on short-term mission trips. Ain't that the truth? And so it's like, I mean, th- that's one of the things I think is, is, is getting involved in that. Like I said, is, is, Get involved in your your local church. Get involved in what they're doing locally, and then as opportunities of, of open up to go internationally or or somewhere else, you know, do it and see, and, and God will speak to you through that, man. So I, I think missions definitely it starts at the local church, man. If you don't if you don't do it there, you're not going anywhere else. Totally. Um, this is a broad question, but do you have any? I mean, I'm sure you do. Do you have any stories that come to mind? that have really shaped you over the past few years of doing the work that you've been doing? Hmm. Yeah, there's <clears throat> probably the, 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 um, one of the biggest ones that shaped me in our heart um, was actually losing one of our kids. Um, mm-hmm. One of the, one of the first uh, two girls we brought in um, uh, one was M one was the, you know, she was there. And then right at the same time we brought M in, we brought another girl in who was just a couple years younger than her. Um, and that girl ran, we were in chasing her back into a village. Um, 
and back in there and we're trying to get her back and the and there's literally we're in this hut in the middle of nowhere this grass hut at like 10 o'clock at night i got my at this time what she was probably six year old seven year old daughter uh my biological daughter in the car with the doors locked like do not come out kind of thing and then there's we're in this we're in this hut and they're surrounded by guys with like machetes and crap like that and um because this girl was that was um, that we had brought in, I was telling her, her extended family or the, the village that we were bad people. And uh, then she was telling us that her people in the village were bad people. And so she was trying to play the sides against the middle because she wanted to run off with this guy she had met um, online. And so dealing with that um, and, and, mm-hmm. and watching God's hand move through that and, at the end of the end of the day on that one, like by the same people that were literally about wanting to kill us, uh, the next day through just God's hand moving, we're like, no, thank you for wanting to take care of this kid. Like, and, and seeing God's hand move and, and, and even the, the, the village chief was like, man, I wish I could send my kids to you guys, you know, but even through all that, you know, even through all that and everybody going, go back, go this, these people are good. Go, go, go. She still wanted to run. She still didn't want it. She still refused it and uh, ended up running. And uh, we, we brought her back again and you had the police involved and she didn't, she did not want it. And so one of the things that, that shaped, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was literally one of the most soul crushing times in our life. But after that um, going, what was the difference? What was the difference between this same situation, both girls come from the same situation, same background, same everything, and just a, a year or two apart. One is thriving and 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 movies are being made by about her and and she is going back and, and evangelizing her own people and all these things. And the one ran as far as they could. And you know, it's about their heart. You know, it's like, you know, and so it, it was one of the things that shaped us was like we just love whoever's there and God has to change their heart. The Holy Spirit has to change their heart. The Holy Spirit has to do that because we can't do it. And if you try to, if you try to push it in there and try to uh, force stuff, then, um, then you're, you're just going to be broken and hurting all the time. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but that's probably one of the biggest things that shaped yeah. us yeah, is, for sure. is, is, is loving those, loving those kids, uh, even though they want to run, even when they don't, even though they don't want to be there and then having the, the, you fight for them as long as you possibly can and until they say no. And then they, they just go kind of thing. And so, and even then you still fight for them, but it's, it's hard. So that was one of the shaping points in our life and, and it's happened a couple of times. And so that's always hard. How do you, uh, how do you stay encouraged for when things like that happen? People praying for us, the church, um, you know, having people walk, through it with you and there's a guy that's um that's a friend of mine his name's john korea uh from active self-protection um shame's plug for him great guy um <laughs> but uh uh he's a uh, he's a uh really sweet guy he's been a supporter of the ministry for for a few years and um and they are when it was happening and um they just got on, like, on the phone with them. We're just talking and praying and praying for us. And we're just kind of telling them what's going on. And we're just vulnerable with them. And they're just like, 
and, and they're just praying and, and they're just encouraging. And they're saying like, you know what, in the Psalms, you know, we see, we see David saying, God, this sucks. God, this is horrible. And that's it. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, and like, yeah. it's, it's, it just ends it. You know, there's no like, but I know you there's sometimes is, is, but I know this is happening, but sometimes David's like, and this just sucks. And God, I'm, I'm in turmoil kind of thing. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so that was an encouragement to go in. It's okay just to be in that situation. You don't have to find the silver line of everything. Just be in that moment and God's got you through that. God's going to carry you through that. Just trust in him and, and, and walk and let him walk you through this. Um, and so that was, that's just having encouragement like that, having people that you're vulnerable with, that you don't have to have this, this like, oh, we got everything together. We know what's going on. Like, yeah, oh man, we're, we're idiots a lot of times. And so, um, and just having people that you're, that's, that knows you and that knows your heart and knows that you're trying to do the, the best you can with what you have. And, and that and, and they know you love Jesus and you know, they love Jesus mm. and they're. So that's, that's the biggest thing that helps you through that is having that community of people that's going to be with you and just love you through it. Amen. Dude, I've, I've kept you for about an hour or so. Like, thanks. Thanks for this. Yeah, I really enjoyed no talking. Can you, uh, yeah, what's the, what's the best way for people to, to like learn more about what you guys are doing and, and remind me of the name of that documentary again. Yeah. It's called documentary is you are beautiful. It's on redeem TV. Um, in, in America and, um, Oh, what's it? It's when it's in Australia, New Zealand as well. I remember the, 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 the channels is on there. Um, mm, let me look real quick. First, you have anybody that's in your home country yeah. that wants to watch it. Yeah, there, there are a few <laughs> Kiwis who, uh, listen. Yeah. I'm, I'm stationed in the States right now, but I've got, oh, okay. I got a, I got a big old, I got a bit of a web of where I've come from. <laughs> New, what New part Zealand? of New Zealand are you from? Yeah? Uh, just, I was born in, uh, in Lower Hutt. So it's just outside of, uh, Wellington. So it's kind of oh, south, yeah. part, south part of the Wellington. North Island. Wellington, oh, New Zealand. Awesome. Wellington. I love New Zealand. Middle Earth, man. Freaking Middle Earth. Man. I want to go there so bad. Dude, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think geography really shapes people. And so, yeah. you know, in New Zealand, you can't build any massive, massive cities because mm. there's just so many mountains everywhere. It just doesn't work. Yeah, so that's awesome. Places are just smaller. And I, I, that's, awesome. that's it's really cool. That's all. You're surrounded. I, I go yeah, you're surrounded by these teeth, just like arcing up to the sky. Oh, no matter where you are, it's great. It's awesome. It's um, it's called Shine TV. Shine TV. Cool. Yeah, Shine TV in in Australia, New Zealand is where it's doing there. It's New York, beautiful. If you want to connect with us, you can connect with us on uh, SWAT Ministries Intl dot org, uh, and we're on Facebook as well and Instagram yes, and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad. Like I've, uh, I mean, it's been two in a row or roughly two conversations that I've had about, about human trafficking so far. Mm. And it's just, I don't know, the more I chew on it, the more I'm like, this is just colossal yeah. of a conversation. I'm just glad that I can hear some of your stories and, and just learn a bit from, from you guys. Yeah, man. We, we, we're, we're a very small piece of the puzzle. We're like the, oh, I say we're like the, mm. the toe, the toenail on the pinky toe of the body of Christ we fall off and it's fine. It's all right. So there are more people, there are people that are doing some amazing stuff more than us. And we just have to be a small part of it. Um, there's a couple, if you're, if you're interested in more information too, um, we're, there's another documentary called Contraland uh, that it was done mm-hmm. by a former uh, um, SEAL Team 6 sniper, Craig Sawyer. He's a friend of mine. 
And uh, so he did one. He came out and did some stuff here. And it's called, so you can check it out. It's free. I think it's on Vimeo or somewhere. Like you really got Contraland is the name of yeah. it. Um, we're we're featured in that. And um, and then uh, on our on my I had an old podcast uh, a couple of years back called uh, Guy Stuff. Um, it's on YouTube, but we interview uh, some of the rescuers. And so if you want some actual information from the rescuers and those kind of things, um, they're on there as well. Guy Stuff on YouTube. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'll track down as many of those links as I can and throw them in the bio. Sounds good, bro. In, class, in classic podcast. <laughs> exactly, brother. Thanks for having All me right. on, man. I appreciate you, man. Dude, thoroughly enjoyed this. Thanks, All bro. Right. Thank you for listening to this podcast's conversation. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, consider subscribing and sharing and all that jazz. It's immensely helpful. I'm all about having meaningful, interesting conversations. So if you know of someone I should talk to, hit me up on Instagram at It's the Volk. Have a good one, guys.